Hello, Fangirl Nation. This is Tracy, your 49ers fangirl, joined as always by my co-host, Stephanie McCarroll, your Jaguars fangirl, and welcome to this week's Fangirl Talk. Steph, it has been quite a couple of weeks in the NFL. Oh, yeah. It's huge. It's crazy. and sort of bananas. Uh, just everything that's going on in the NFL and the switches and the trades and the retirements and all this stuff. So there's so much to talk about. And you mentioned the retirement. So I think we should jump right into that one. This was a story that I saw obviously when it happened. Um, but I was covering the 49ers game and I saw it and the story confused me, but it wasn't until later in the day that once I was done writing and everything that I was like, wait, what happened? Um, but Vontae Davis retired at halftime. Um, Vontae Davis was playing for the Bills, and I understand that they are a frustrating organization at the moment. However, he at halftime put on his street clothes and left the stadium, and I suppose apparently he apologized. However, I don't understand, like, you can't wait till after the game. Like, even if you have to go to the coaches and say, listen, I don't think I can finish this game. Pull me out. You can't stand there on the sidelines in uniform and wait till after the game. Right. Uh, it's, it was different. I mean, I'm not it, it, just wondering like what was going through his mind. I'd like to know what his mindset, I know he has since apologized, but um, it's just, uh, I don't quite get it. It's very different. That's a first. And Navarro Bowman had tweeted yesterday and it was, I think an interesting comment. He said the NFL, you know, an NFL team wouldn't hesitate to release somewhat at halftime, so good for him for taking care of himself. Now, I don't disagree with that statement, but I don't agree with that statement. And if you look at it differently, and I understand it's different professions, but what if you were a surgeon in the middle of surgery and you were like, I don't really feel like I want to do this anymore. I'm going to go. Like, I just, and I know it's different and I certainly would not want a surgeon operating on me who felt like he couldn't do the job well, but I just feel like football is a team sport and there's just a way to behave in life. And I don't know that I can agree with him retiring at halftime. Yeah. I mean, it was different. I'm sort of a player. Like I'm always going to be on the side of the players like 99.9% of the time, because I do think that a team, you know, they, they cut play, players all the time at, you know, their whim. And I understand what Navarro was trying to say because it's kind of true. I mean, if they wanted to pull you out and whatever. But, um, you know, it, it, I just felt like it was a little bit unfair to the fans at most. Like, it's just, you know, but I don't know what's going on. I mean, maybe, like, medically or, you know, emotionally and, and now with all the concussion symptoms and, you know, those, who knows if something's mentally going on, you know, maybe he really did have to take care of himself at that moment. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see, um, cause I'm sure there'll be more on this later. Well, and it's interesting what you say, siding with the players and I would tend to agree, but I guess my devil's advocate to that would say there are a whole lot of other players on that sideline that were counting on him. Mm-hmm. Um, and if everybody just got upset and retired at halftime, that'd be a problem. And I'm sure that that is not exactly what happened. And that was the case. And I, you know, like I said, at the beginning, I totally understand if he was like, he said to the coaches, listen, I don't have it in me 
mentally. I don't have it in me physically and I can't play the second half. But then I right. think you, you pull yourself out of the game and you stand there on the sidelines throughout the second half, even if that's uncomfortable. And even if that's hard, like I don't, you know, to treat, treat how you want to be treated. So I don't know. I, I, it's obviously easy for me to say, I am not him. I do not go out there every week, putting my body on the line. I have not been treated. However, he's been treated by ownership coaches, et cetera. So I can only say so much, but I do think it is one of the weirdest stories. And I have to admit, I just, once I like really thought about it, I just started laughing. Like I kind of yeah. couldn't stop laughing. And I was on my flight home from San Jose and I'm sure the person next to me is like, what is wrong with this girl? But it's like, <laughs> I started thinking about it and I just couldn't stop laughing. Cause it was like, that's like, it's, it's kind of appalling and kind of amazing and just kind of crazy all at the same time. Um, and I'm not calling him crazy. I'm just saying the situation is kind of crazy. So anyways, it was really funny. Um, so that really just kind of, it just made me laugh. So there was that. So that was the, that was maybe the most, uh, unusual story of week two. <laughs> I think that would be maybe a fair, fair way to put it. Uh, Steph, your Jaguars had a very big win in week two. Yeah. I mean, they looked great. I, I couldn't believe, I mean, you know, Blake Bortles had a really tough start to his career, but now he just looks like a completely different quarterback. And he, you know, he was like Duvall's MVP because he, he made things happen. And it was against the Patriots who, you know, they were considered underdogs going against the Patriots. Um, and they, the defense was there. They pulled it out. Then, but also the offense. I mean, there were, he just kept moving the sticks, and it was really like impressive to see him just continue to get up. And you know, he he's tough. He's he was hit quite a few times, but he just continued to get up, and he just continued to play his game. They weren't. They did not have Leonard Fournette, and it was no big deal. It was like they just kept going, and it was a statement win. I mean, there wasn't just a. You know, it wasn't a close game even. It was just a statement win. And I think that that's what they wanted to do. And and they did it. Yeah, I agree. It looked like uh, a really, really great win. And, you know, kind of avenging that AFC championship loss. But more importantly, because that's in the past, I think you're right. They made a statement to the AFC, like, we are for real. Um, mm -hmm. And watch out for the Jaguars. And we may very well see the Jaguars and the Patriots again in the AFC championship game. Um a lot of people, I think, felt like the Steelers had an opportunity for that. But at the moment, and I know we're only in week two, the Steelers don't look like they're going anywhere or that they're going nowhere fast. Um, they are just not yeah. playing well yeah. at all. And I don't know if it's the Le'Veon Bell thing or I don't know what it is or if they're just kind of falling apart. But uh, things are not great in Steeltown right now. No, I mean, I expected them to come out really swinging, especially, you know, out with the bell. They were doing these, like, you know, memes that, you know, kind of making fun of him. They were ready for him to go, you know. So I think they wanted to prove to everybody that they could do this without him. And maybe they can't. I don't know. It's just maybe it's just the whole locker room issue. It's just who knows what's going on. But they've always seemed very united, like a united team. So. I think they might just, you know, have, it's just week two. Maybe they'll figure it out. Yeah. Well, time will tell. I know our Steelers fangirl uh, would like to see them figure it, figure it out. She's been yeah. suffering in these first two weeks of the season. I, and I don't know about you guys, but 
it's week two. I feel like it's week 10. Like I just feel like so much has happened in the last two weeks um, that it's just uh, something else. The Browns continue to, to be the Browns. Um, they are now Oh, one and one, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, one so, and one. And they, tra- they, well, kind of let go and then traded away. <laughs> yes. They would, that, that was Josh Gordon. And I, I'm sure more will come out. Well, I don't know. Now he's on the Patriots and they're pretty good about being tight lipped, but interesting, whatever happened there that he apparently hurt his hamstring in a promotional shoot. However, he's now a Patriot and you know, he's going to end up being like an all pro assuming he has his, you know, demons and issues in order, which I think is interesting about that story is the Browns have supported him and been on his side for several years through multiple stints in rehab, through multiple issues. And then, Something happened um, where they were just done. So now he is going to be on the New England Patriots, um, of course. And it just makes – it just kind of makes so much sense. Um, but that they get them. I mean, they're the warriors of the NFL. It's like they get everybody. They do. And then somehow Bill Belichick manages to take people and turn them into like all pros. And they were like the third string – you know, tight end, (laughs) guaranteeing and the next thing you know, he's like the Pro Bowl and Super Bowl MVP. I'm not saying that's going to happen here, but um, it will be interesting to see how he does there. I actually think that probably is a good place for him because, you know, Belichick's tough. Um, The Patriots are tough and they're not going to put up with any sort of um, issues or or nonsense. And I don't, I don't really like to say the word nonsense because I believe, you know, obviously addiction is an illness and, um, my heart honestly breaks for people like Josh Gordon or anybody who's dealing with it because it's such a a difficult thing to deal with. But I think the Patriots are probably a team that will be able to put him in as good a position as possible to succeed. Right. And I, that's something that I said all along. I said, any team that's going to have the support system in place and the, you know, the resources to help him, that's going to be the best place for him. So I think the Browns did what they could, obviously, but he came back and, you know, there's some addictions, one of those things, because it really hurts on both sides and the Browns have been hurt by it too. Mm -hmm. So there's just a time when you just can't do it anymore. And I, and I can kind of see that from just from, you know, the Browns perspective. And then but I mean, if the Patriots can help him, he's so extremely talented. He's a once in a generational type of player. I love that they gave him an, another shot. And I'm really I'm pulling for the kid, even though I want them to lose. <laughs> so you're so it's like I mean, it's a it's a rough it's a it's a rough go there for you. I under you know, I understand there's that like interesting, you know, back and forth that you have going on there, but I think yeah, I think that uh, I think that's fair. I mean, I don't want them to lose, but I know you want them to lose. Um, but I think that's fair. But, you know, I think the other thing that will be interesting to see is as much as the Browns, I think, have done whatever they could to support him off the field, I think probably the culture of the Browns organization and what has gone on there has not helped anybody. So it will be interesting to see how he does with a really solid quarterback <laughs> I mean, as if I can describe Brady that way, or maybe like maybe the best quarterback ever, um, maybe the goat. Um, and with a really confident coaching staff, I think that's going to make 
a world of difference for him in his career. So I'm excited to see how he does and, and what happens there in New England. And I think for honestly for Josh Gordon, he couldn't have a better situation. Um, and so I hope that he's able to make the best of it and really, you know, be locked in and, and be able to focus on football. And uh, we'll, I think we'll actually really finally see what he can do because you're right. He is a once in a generation kind of guy. So yeah, um, it will be, be, it'll be interesting. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm pulling for the kid. Like I said, it's just a little scary to think of Tom Brady with a weapon like that. Yeah. <laughs> that's going to be, uh, that's going to, that, and that might be their missing piece. The, um, the wide receiver core in New England has been questionable. And even with Edel- when Edelman comes back in a few weeks, it still had been relatively weak. But now it just got a whole lot stronger. So, Well, they have a deep threat too. So even with Edelman, then they have somebody to, you know, go up the middle. And now they have a deep threat. And you, how do you defend that? That's going to be crazy yeah. to me. I just think that's going to be really rough. I think so. so you're going to have to have a really good front seven. and. You know, they also have Gronk, so it's like... Ooh, yeah, ooh. I mean, oof, yeah. <laughs> you have Gronk, you- Josh Gordon, and in a few weeks, Julian Edelman. Um, I think, yeah, good luck. Good luck to the AFC on that one. We will... I mean, of course, you know, Josh Gordon, a lot of things have to work for it to work, but um, assuming they do, that... But yeah, if he does, and he stays with the program, and he... he- and I think if he does have success, I think that's something that can help his sobriety, you know, help his journey. So, yes, you know, to have positive things happen. So, I, although I want the best for him, I, you know, I, I'm just scared because I'm not over here like sitting on top with the Jaguars. But well, you know, you know what? I actually really like a competitive game. So if we could see another AFC championship of the ages. So that might be something to look forward to. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think at least the way things are looking right now, I think that is probably what we are going to see for sure. Um, so when we started talking about the Browns, we talked about how they're one and one So they tied um, the Steelers in week one. And then we had a tie this week with the Vikings and the Packers. I don't really remember this many ties, especially so early. I don't remember this many ties in a season. Um, I remember the 49ers tied a few years back. Um, actually in a game that mattered because it was the year um, that they played the Seahawks in the NFC Championship game in Seattle. And right. that and tie cool. would have given them, if it was a win, would have given them a better record and that game would have been right. in San Francisco. So that would have been a huge difference. So the Vikings-Packers tie, um, it would be interesting to see how that kind of works out. But also in that game, like, it was all those missed field goals are the reason they tied. Of course, the Vikings uh, let their kicker go and signed uh, Bailey yesterday. But um, I just don't, I don't remember this many ties. It's kind of funny. No, it's true. Um, there, it was, it was a interesting game. The way it was called was a little suspect. I know, um, you know, I watched the game and I'm a big fan of Aaron Rodgers, but these, these, um, there's so many, plays where they're making legitimate typical textbook hits on the quarterback and they're being called for offensive roughness you know and it's not roughing the QB it's a good tackle and I just that's kind of and then you saw it on the other side Mm -hmm. with Cousins that they you know the the Packers were closing it out it was a good tackle 
They, they would have, the ball would have been turned over. They would have won the game and boom, cousins get, you know, they're roughing cousins up. And I'm like, I don't see that at all. So to me, that was a little frustrating to watch because I don't know. I don't know how to like gauge it anymore. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know else. How do you else do tackle the quarterback, you know, instead of rough, you know, like wrapping around and getting him, there's just, it's just a little frustrating to see. And I, I hope that the NFL comes out with something on that, some direction, because it's getting kind of ridiculous. Well, and I think it is a frustration, a source of frustration throughout the NFL, because I mean, they do have to be able to play football. And obviously I'm all for making the game safer. That's really important, but they have to be able to play football and that Clay Matthews tackle on cousins. It, you know, at least from pretty much everyone's perspective, it did not look like an illegal tackle or roughing the passer. And the problem is what it's looking like. The refs are now starting to um, decide the game and that shouldn't be the case. You know, it's obviously it has to be fair and we obviously want player safety. That's so important. But when we have multiple situations where week after week, the refs are starting to decide games that is going to be a problem. And that is going to right. be that, a big source of frustration for everybody. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It, it, I have never been one of those people that would complain about the call. Mm-hmm. Because there's a hundred billion times when, you know, the, a, one play would have changed the dynamic of the game. So I've never been a person that complains about refs until I kept, I'm sitting there watching it. And I just, I'm, I'm like, there's nothing wrong with that. He didn't lead with the helmet. He did not, you know, he didn't go after his knee. He didn't go after his legs. Mm-hmm. Like he was not, you know, his legitimate tackle. And that's, I, and I get they, the league wants to protect quarterbacks. I, you know, hundred percent got the memo, but I think it's become a little over the top when, you know, that you can't get the sack and you can't, especially when it really matters to these, you know, teams. So it's going to be interesting because uh, just changes it changes football a little bit. It makes you it, you're kind of frustrated. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think it's very very frustrating. So I I like you said, we hope that the NFL kind of figures something out on this, or it's going to be a very frustrating season and a very long season. Um, you know, Richard Sherman's been very outspoken about it. Um, he was actually asked last week because John Lynch um, is nominated to be in the Hall of Fame again. And he said, you know, John Lynch played at a time. He wouldn't be able to play today. And, and Sherman said he played at a time when you could actually play football is how he put it. Um, but I understand what he's saying. John Lynch was a really tough player and he wouldn't be able to play today. He said he'd be kicked out of the league. And that's uh, probably true um, because he played, you know, he very played very aggressively. He was a super clean player, but he was a tough player. And um, yeah. those players of that era generally – um, probably would have had, would have a tough time. And the thing is that arrow wasn't that long ago, you know? Right. <laughs> so, um, it will be interesting, uh, interesting to see. Um, speaking of Richard Sherman, he said something very interesting the other day. For those of you who don't know, I used to not say Richard Sherman's name out loud. <laughs> I, I know. I really and Steph, Steph knows as well. I would refer to him as he who would not, who should not be named. But, um, You've never seen a, a turn so fast as when the 49ers signed him. But, you know, beyond that, now covering him and talking to him, you know, on a weekly basis, 
he is the smart. I mean, he is one of the smartest people I've ever come across. And I don't even just mean football smart. I mean, just smart. Um, he is so unbelievable. Every time he talks, I feel like there's a new great quote that comes out of it. And he's just, he's incredible. Um, and I think he's brought so much to the 49ers aside from the fact that the last two weeks quarterbacks seem to be avoiding throwing to his side of the field, like the plague. Um, I know it's, it's like pretty Funny. amazing, which shows, you know, he made a comment yesterday cause or on Sunday, somebody asked, um, if, you know, if, cause you know, he said, would you, you know, there was question, there were questions about if you still had it and blah, blah, blah. And he said, that's, you know, that's public domain questions like coaches and quarterbacks watch the tape and they know I have it. So they're not going to test me. Um, but I thought that was, uh, really interesting, but I asked him specifically, Akella Witherspoon had a really hard day on Sunday. It was a bad game. Um, I mean, it was just, I believe he allowed, uh, eight catches on for 99 yards and two touchdowns. So that's not a great day for a cornerback. Um, but I asked Richard, you know, what do you say to him as a veteran? And he said something that I thought was so, um, I don't, it probably, it's always something I just should have known, but I thought it was interesting how he put it. He said, you know, I tell him he's got 24 hours. He's got 24 hours to look at the tape and move on. And he said, if he'd had five picks in that game, he still has 24 hours to look at the tape and move on. Cause he's got another team to play next week. And I think as fans and as people who write about teams and cover teams, you know, we focus on these things, but he's right. Like for the players, they got to move on. Like they got to go right back to it. Just as if you or I had a bad day at work, the next day we got to go back to work and just start all over again. And I just thought it was like an interesting way to put it because I think we also don't necessarily look at it that way. Like, well, you have to like put it behind you, move on. But when you have a good game, you have to put it behind you and move on. Um, right. I think that, I think that I, there was that piece about the NFC and specifically about the Seahawks and how he always felt that he should, everybody should be called out for what they do right and what they do wrong. Mm -hmm. And then, and that's the way you grow and then you move on from there, you know? So that was one of the reasons, according to that article, that he actually left the Seahawks because not everybody had that same accountability. I think what's kind of interesting about um, Sherman is he, he, yes, he called out the players, but he also is their biggest fan at their same time. Yes. So it's like, it's just so cool to have him, I, you know, and I, I see him a lot differently than, you know, I, he's not just, you know, just the person we saw, you know, back in the day when, uh, you know, he called out Crabtree. It's just, you know, he, there's a lot of depth to him. There is a lot of depth to him. And I think also, I think he's also matured quite a bit since those days, um, since yelling at Aaron Andrews, yelling, or maybe not at Aaron Andrews, but towards Ellen Aaron Andrews after the NFC Championship, the Thanksgiving game where he intercepted, intercepted Cap twice and blew kisses to the fans and ate turkey in the middle. Of, you know, I think, um, right. I think all of that though. But one thing about Richard Sherman, which I will say, and I have, although it was always hard for me, I did always say this, he backed it up. The man is an yeah. incredibly talented cornerback. He will probably go down as one of the best. So he always backed it up. But I think that he's also, you know, matured a little bit in terms of how he um, how he behaves. But that trash talker is still there. And it was, you know, I can't remember if we talked about this last week, but 
he and Laquan Treadwell had some words in Minnesota and he was asked after the game, you know, you were talking to him and it looks like you told him to go back to the huddle. Can you tell us what you said? And he laughed and said, yeah, he had to go back to the huddle. And it was just funny. And I was like, and there's, and there's Richard Sherman, but he's, he's great. And I mean, he really, I just have become such a fan. I think he really is incredible. I'm so glad he's on the 49ers and it was cool seeing him in his red jersey at Levi Stadium, and he seemed well-received by the fans. He said he wasn't concerned about it, and I don't think he was, but I almost – there's a little bit of a part of me that kind of forgets he wasn't a 49er before. I mean, I, I don't, but it just seems so natural now um, mm-hmm. that it works. And then the last thing I want to talk about, because he just has been fun to watch during the game and now after games, is Ryan Fitzpatrick, who they are now calling Fitz oh, yeah. Magic. I mean, I don't know where he came from, but this is not the Fitzpatrick we knew before. This is not your Harvard Fitzpatrick, I'll tell you that. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it's certainly funny and it's fun. I think the fans are getting behind it. It's you know, I, I don't. It's just it's fun. It's, it's fun. fun. I'm glad. And that, you know what? You know, it should be, fun. should be fun. Football should be fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was so, is good. Yeah, I mean it's. It is what it is. I mean, it's it's good. I'm glad that, I don't know, I think those characters, it's, you, you kind of have to have, like I said, fun with it. it. You know, nothing's all that serious. I mean, yes, we have a lot of excitement. We, you know, want our teams to win. We're emotional, all those things. But at the end of the day, you know, it's really just a game. And I like that, um, I like that he's having fun with it. I think that, I think sometimes there's just too much crit- I don't know, people can just be too much too critical of the player anyway. Mm-hmm. So I think it just was really good to see and I and I hope you know, I hope in the future that there's not gonna be so much stigma on how the quarterback is supposed to react and supposed to behave and blah blah blah. I, like I, I think that they should have fun. I think they should be who they are. There shouldn't be so much I don't know, stigma with that. I agree. And I think, you know, he keeps playing this way and I don't think that Jameis Winston's going to get his job back. And frankly, I don't think he deserves to. So, um, you know, the, his behavioral issues and the way he's, he's treated women, the things he's done are pretty terrible. So, um, I think if Fitzpatrick keeps playing this way, he will remain the starting quarterback and, you know, and I can't feel bad for Winston because it's one thing if a quarterback gets injured and then the backup comes in and plays better and wins a starting job. And that's just the way it goes. But you kind of feel bad for the guy who got injured because he didn't do anything wrong to lose right. his job there. Um, but in this particular case, he's a suspended for behavioral issues that keep coming up again and again. And so we'll see. But I also hope he keeps playing well because I like those post-game outfits. And I would like this. It's I don't want it to just be like, you know, I love seeing what Cam Newton wears every week because every week he comes out with something just so spectacularly awesome on whether it's good, awesome or bad, awesome. And I just, now I want to see like the Fitzpatrick look after games and, you know, fashions become such a part of football and it's so fun to see it. Um, but that, that look the other day was next level, next level. Yeah. <laughs> was good stuff. Um, the beer. Yeah. The beer. I mean, it was just, just too good. Um, so that was, that was fun stuff. And on good morning football, they had a lot of fun with it. All of them dressed like him and it was pretty funny. Um, 
So that was good stuff. All right. So week two is in the books. We are on to week three. Uh, 49ers go to Kansas City, and that is going to be a very tough, tough, tough game. Who are the Jaguars playing? I was going to ask you about that. Like, are you scared to death of Mahomes? Because I would be. I I, I don't I don't know. Tracy. Oh, I think it's going to be a very rough game for the 49ers. I think um, it's not a game that I necessarily thought they were going to win anyways, but Patrick Mahomes is like – I mean, he is on fire. Talk about the real deal, or so it seems thus far. Um, and the 49ers pass rush and secondary um, is still a, a work in progress. So uh, I think it's going to be a rough game. And Arrowhead is also, I believe, the loudest stadium in the league, so that's also going to be very difficult. Um, but so I think yeah. that's going to be a tough game. But, you know, the 49ers are still building. They are not rebuilding anymore, but they're still building, and these are going to be part of the growing pains. Um, so – We'll see, but I do think it's going to be a rough, rough day. Um, they've got work to do, and they've got work to do on the offensive side too. Um, we saw a little bit more of a hesitant Jimmy Garoppolo on Sunday, but then, of course, in rewatching and and listening to Kyle Shanahan, um, part of it is guys aren't getting open. So there's blame right. all around there. Uh, so I think we'll see. But you know, one of the things that has really been praised about Jimmy Garoppolo is that he does have a quick release and he can read a defense quickly and get rid of the ball. So we didn't see that as much uh, this past week, but again, guys were having trouble getting open. Um, and so some, a couple of those sacks were on him, a couple were on the O-line, a couple were on the inability of the receivers to get open. So hopefully they can clean a little bit of that up this week, but it's going to be a little bit of a tough game. Mahomes in Arrowhead stadium. That's just going to be rough stuff and we'll hope for the best. So hopefully they'll compete. That's my, that's what yes. I'm looking for. Right. Competition. Okay. All, All right. right, my dear. Well, have a great rest of your day. Uh, fangirl nation, NFL fans. We will be talking to you next week with NFL talk. Uh, and let's here's hoping for another crazy week of football. <laughs> All right. Good job. All right. There you go. <laughs> go Niners. Uh, all right, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. <laughs>